The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. Today, we are exploring personal, social, health, and economic education with a folktale from the farming county of Lincolnshire in England. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is. Hi, I'm Bex. I have experience teaching across the primary school age range. I also have been previously been a deputy head and also am involved in initial teacher training. Hi, I'm Abby Marison, Education Programme Manager from Festival Bridge, and I was a primary school teacher for 10 years. And we're all very pleased to have you, our listener, with us in our virtual school staff room. So for all the fun and effectiveness of story-led learning, let's don our finest cloaks, sprinkle some fairy dust, and hang tight to our magic carpet as we dive into this week's story. When Farmer Rob arrives in the rural village of Mumby, in the heart of Lincolnshire, he finds the villagers cowering in fear, but they don't want to tell him why. As he steps into the fields, though, everything becomes clear when Rob comes face to face with a boggart. The Boggart's voice sounded a little like a piece of metal dragging across a stone. This is my land, farmer. I will let you work on it, but only if you give me everything you grow. Your food, your animals, and even your children. Yep, it was definitely a Boggart. Rob's grandma had said they would try to make deals like that. Horrible deals that probably scared the other farmers away. No farmer would want to work hard on a farm only to give all their food and animals to a boggart. And they certainly wouldn't like the idea of a boggart taking their children. But Rob's grandma had also given him two very important pieces of advice for dealing with boggarts. Advice number one was... Boggarts are always interested in a bargain, especially if they think it's better for them. And advice number two was... Uh, oh, wait, I don't have time to tell you that, because Farmer Rob was already asking the Boggart if anyone had ever accepted its deal before. Never! The Boggart replied, and then laughed wickedly. <laughs> And if you and your young learners want to see if Farmer Rob and the Boggart make a bargain, and if you want to know Grandma's advice number two, you can download our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales. You can also search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Farmer and the Boggart, 
where you can sign up to become an epic educator and then stream a video of me telling the story, get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the colossally colorful Mario Coelho, download the full audiobook anytime, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's begin our discussion with Abby and Bex here by asking, folks, did this story have you bursting with enjoyment? I really enjoyed it. I, I was quite gripped. I think the only slight issue was that my six and seven-year-olds that I was reading it to got quite frightened at the introduction of the Boggett character. Goodness, did they? Just off the back of having uh, found out about the BFG the night before. So I think that's probably why. Ah. Uh. But uh, yeah, so they didn't want to find out how it ended. And I, I really needed to know. I had to know how it finished. <laughs> Did, were you trying to tell them afterwards that it, it, it's OK? Um, Farmer Rob does manage to, uh, to save the day. I told them that he burst into fire and they just thought that was great. <laughs> I think they thought they missed out then. Oh, excellent. How about you, Bex? Um, for me, I, I really like the way that, the, that this story is written and um, the fact that you never, ever find out what advice number two is. That's all I wanted to know. I was constantly like, what did his grandma tell him? What did Farmer Rob's grandma tell him was advice number two? And at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, that's really good advice. So I constantly wanted to know. It really kept you kind of hooked into the story because you always wanted to know what the advice was. And it really mm. reminds me of particularly like I, I know about the children in my class where they like come to you with a question. You're like, wait a minute, I've just got to before I answer your question and then they come back and they ask again um so yeah I really really enjoyed that and and a great writing technique as well that we can uh, teach our children how to use good well I'm glad you think so this this is um a story that is very local to Lincolnshire but the whole idea of trying to trick somebody into choosing a different part of the the farm the, the a different part of the crop um that is a very common one in folklore and probably um the most famous one in Europe is Renard the Fox um who oh, I've got a copy of that You've got a copy of Renard the Fox. Well, yes, there's a, a brilliant uh, version of this where he tricks a bear into uh, helping him to farm, basically doing all of the work for him. Um, and as part of the arrangement, Fox has one half of it and Bear has the other half. And it's always choosing between the top half and the bottom half or the right side or the left side. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very common trope. But it, I, I don't know. I mean, I, as I was writing it, I think... There's something about wanting people to come back for this because, you know, you, you, you could run the risk, couldn't you, of very quickly working out what's going to happen and just thinking, oh, OK, yeah, I know the end already. So I think that's why I slipped in the grandma's advice there as an extra hook. And I'm really pleased it seems to have worked with you, Bex. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was the bit that, that kept me going because I, I was... I was just like, I want to know what it is. I have to know the answer to things. So if anyone's like me, you're gonna you'll have really enjoyed that, and so will your children. <laughs> but they did. It didn't. It didn't work to grip your six and seven year old, no, Abby. Uh, no, no, not not to actually listen to the story again. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so is that a big danger with a story like this? Then that you think um, younger years might actually be scared off uh, going till the end. I really think it's how you present it. Okay. So I I think that I would do one of two things. I would probably because it's quite long for the for early years key stage one. Mm. So uh, I would either want to condense it, but because it's written so well, you'd probably want to deliver it 
in subsequent days or lessons. So break it down. And the, the beginning bit up until you meet the boggart, absolutely fine. So I think before you bring him in, you might want to talk about other characters that mm. are unknown and what is it that that makes you feel suspicious or feel um, maybe frightened what, what is it in those books that they've come across those characters that they've come across that that might be uh, unnerving and yeah. explore that with them before you introduce him and maybe give it to them because you know many of the children might really not be afraid and think it's really quite exciting <laughs> oh yes whenever we go into a, a situation where we invite the children to choose the genre of the story one of the most popular ones is the scary story or the ghost oh, yeah. story <laughs> um, and that, and that's true of absolutely every single age range i'm glad you sort of brought it up because obviously as uh, we are storytellers here yes we give you the words um, with our stories and if you're listening to our sister podcast we're also reading it out to you but we do really really encourage teachers to tell the story in their own words and in words that you know your children are going to find safe and are going to appreciate and are going to engage with because no one knows your children better than you do. And Farmer Rob is a great character for enabling you to sort of guide your children through this story because he's not phased by anything. He's going into this pub and he meets the landlord and he's picking up on all of these clues that something suspicious is going on. And when this great big scary boggart jumps out at him, his response is kind of, oh, OK, right, I get it now. You know, it's very laid back and he's kind of understanding what's going on. And I think if you allow your children to see a little bit of Farmer Robin you, maybe, and really have the chance to empathise and see Farmer Rob as sharing their curiosity, um, they will have exactly the same sort of response as he does. And they'll, they'll, be, they'll feel protected in the story by Farmer Rob. Does, does that make sense? And I think it's just, again, a reminder, isn't it, for um, us as educators, sometimes you can grab a really great resource off the shelf and not really look at it before you've shared it with your children <laughs> um, because you just think, oh, yes, I know I know these people, they're really safe. And actually it is looking through the story or the, um, the book that you're going to be using and making sure that you've um, unpicked the key issues and the parts where you might need to pause, um, as Abby was saying, before you deliver it so that you can prepare your children for the next phase or step of the story so I think it is just mm. important another reminder for us just to make sure that we know what's happening and because we like you say uh, Chip we know the children in our class the best so we need to make sure that we've looked at what we're going to be using with them and prepared them for the the um, bits they might struggle with. Absolutely. And this is by no means the scariest story that we've had um, with this podcast. So, <laughs> And I think I will admit because I hadn't done my homework and didn't know how it was going to turn I thought, I, mm, if they're a little bit worried, I better just leave it there and, and see what happens myself before I tell them it's all okay. Yeah, yeah. Always, always make sure you know the ending of the story before you make promises like that. Because we've also had some stories that don't end quite as happily as this one. So, yeah, very, very important lessons learned there. Speaking of lessons learned, though, what is the reason for this story? Why, why does this story exist? Why would you even want to to share the, the moral of this story with your children? Is there one? So for me, like, I thought there were quite a lot of, a lot of different morals in it. And um, I think my hmm. favourite 
um, one and the one that I probably use the hook particularly um, thinking about the older children so our eight to 11 year olds is definitely the using the things that you have to help other people when you see a need so farmer uh. Rob used his skills as a farmer and um, he saw a need in the town that they were hungry that they didn't have everything they needed and then he used his skills as a farmer and then his mm. knowledge as a bogger expert as well which we didn't know about previously um, to help the people <laughs> of Mumby to be able to um, get rid of the bogger and um and then to be able to be fed and to be able to grow their own crops. So I was thinking actually that for children in our classes, it's important that each of them know, and in our schools, what is mm-hmm. special about them, what they've got to offer the class, what they've got to offer the school, what they've got to offer the world in the future, because we're, we're into as educators, aren't we, of raising up that next generation of, ma- of making an impact on the world, not just until they're in year six, but and beyond. So them mm-hmm. knowing that what's special about them, what they have to offer, and then how they can react when they see somebody's in need and how they can use their yes. skills to help other people. So I think that would be um, my way in um, with the with this story. I, I loved how Farmer Rob was so quick to give what he had in order to help and plug a need like yeah. that he saw. But you, like you say, the, the resourcefulness that he uses to do that, I mean, he's not, a superhero he doesn't have any amazing strength he can't fly he's you know he doesn't try and take on the bogger in a in a wrestling match or anything like that he he uses what he knows and he uses the world around him and that is something absolutely every single human being can do um which is probably what makes him such a, a great hero in folklore and it's kind of using what you've got. There's, I don't know if it's a proverb or if it's like something from like a, a special book in a faith, but using what you've got in your hands to help other people. It's not always hmm. like a power or anything. It's just what you can do to help others. So if you see something that's broken and you're a fixer, like you can mend it, then you would go and help mend it. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's a really, it's a great lesson for the children to learn um, as well, that each of them can help in some way to make the world a better yeah. place. Be Absolutely. more Farmer Rob. <laughs> be more rob <laughs> i love that i can see an assembly coming out of that because that really can hit all of the ages can't it where you yeah. say to them be a good citizen of the school a citizen of the world so i love that did you pick up on any other morals always listen to your grandma maybe yeah have time to find out what advice number two is <laughs> i definitely see this as being a story that every single age range can get something out of. But how would you do that then if we were going to be taking this story in for a PSHE lesson? I suppose you could start with an assembly, couldn't you? You you could launch it as a whole school PSHE topic, perhaps. What what would you call it if if you were doing that? Um I, I think I liked your phrase of be more farmer Rob. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it would be good to use something around the term citizenship and mm. that language and what it means to be a, a citizen of the school and how that looks in the school in terms of as they walk around, as they greet each other, uh, as they talk to each other and noticing things. So taking mm. the fact that Farmer Rob really noticed what was going on, even just in the pub around one potato, that's not enough to feed a family mm. and being able to notice things around the school and, and say, Hmm, that doesn't quite sit right with me. I'm not sure that's okay. And ask that question so that you can come up with the answers. So um, actually just getting that thought process into the the young people's heads that it's 
okay to notice what's around you and care for the people around you and look at what's going on on the playground while you're playing your games and and all mm. of those things that happen in the corridors around the lessons fantastic and I, I think i probably like i i really like that idea of looking at citizenship but also um we've we've talked about the theme of like people uh farmer rob being a person who helped with what he had so maybe with the um you could with the younger children you could look at people who help them and the fact that it's not mm -hmm. also, like I think you were saying earlier, Chip, about is Farmer Rob isn't a superhero. He's not got magical powers. He's just a, a person with a, a skill of farming and Boggart um, destroying. Um, but actually <laughs> thinking of, okay, who are the people that help us? You can look at that as a whole school. Who's the people that help us in the school, outside in our community, in our families, in the you know wider world, um, looking at a bit of British values as well. We can um, put that into our assemblies as well and mm. our rights and responsibilities. So actually you have a responsibility as a citizen to notice things that are going well and to celebrate them and then to notice things that aren't going very well and to help if you can or just to notice, as you said, Abby. And you definitely do that um, safeguarding wise with mm. reception as soon as they join the school. You know, who are the five people you can really rely on? Who do you mm. talk to in, in case there's any issues so it's good to be able to to use a story and to use um something that doesn't feel invasive to get them yeah. to think about who are the important people in your life can you name them who would you talk to if you did notice that there was a boggart in the playground yeah. who who, <laughs> who would you approach so um yeah tying those things together as well and I really like Bex your idea of of almost that that school ambassador and that I'm a person who you know, look, looks around me and looks beyond what's going on in in what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. We often say, don't we, that um, stories are a great way of accessing themes that you maybe wouldn't know how else to talk about with children. They're a really safe way in. We sometimes call them a, a simulation in the imagination because it's just such a, a safe way of working with these these big themes but I don't want this discussion to to pass without also bringing up the topic of key workers which has been rather a, a hot topic for the last 21 months or so um, thinking with all of the pandemonium that's been going on in the world and the lockdowns and of course some Key workers were immediately uh, obvious, like your doctors and your nurses, and perhaps even for children, the supermarkets and the police and so on. Farmers are key workers, though, as well. And I think they did get um, some credit for that during the lockdowns here in the UK anyway. And they uh, so they were being mentioned and they, they weren't being forgotten about. But it does worry me that once we're out of the lockdown and the pandemic, it might be that they might start to once again end up in the, the background somewhere. And we can't let them do that because farmers are so important for us. And that may be one of the reasons why in folklore, so many of the heroes of so many stories are farmers like Farmer Rob. So it's a good opportunity to really big up the, the farming community, isn't it? Definitely. And to take your children to one. If you've got a local farm, off you go on a little field trip um, oh, yeah. out of this story to meet a local farmer. We've got um, one in our locality who lets our um, children come to his farm and talks about everything that he grows and, and everything of that they would see in their house. Because obviously when you look out on a farmer's field, it just looks, mm. um, it doesn't look like anything the children recognise. And he shows them everything that they would see in their homes that he his farm makes. 
And so yeah. just get that real understanding of actually it looks like just wheat and barley and maize or whatever, but actually that gives me my Cheerios and that gives me my um, everything <laughs> else. So it's actually, if you can get them out to a local farm and they can really, really see farming taking place, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, and just to take it that one step further from, from nursery and reception and and perhaps the, those early years where the notion of farm is a pig goes oink, a sheep goes bah, and, and mm. you know, you've got those key animals that you get on the farm and then they might see a farm and think, oh, this isn't what I was expecting at all. And, oh, you know, where are your pigs and sheep and chickens? And so mm. it's just knowing that farming is really different, you know, from space to space and, and wherever you are. Mm. Yeah, it's a really diverse occupation. You have um, dairy farmers and you have your land farmers and you also have your boggart destroyers. Yes. <laughs> I wonder, could you could you try and work with um, your local farmer in the telling of this story? Maybe switch out Farmer Rob for Farmer, I don't know, what whatever his name is, Brian or, or Nigel or whoever, um, and see if you can... Uh, have him or her even share the story with you and there'll be competing opportunities there i I think and and where you might not have a a farmer if you don't you might just have someone who has an allotment because Mm. allotments have become so popular speaking from someone who got an allotment patch last year you know and the the knowledge that you can get from these people about how things grow um they could definitely come in and, and share and would be probably really thrilled to be invited into the school to share some of their knowledge if they can't come in we've learned so much about technology and you can just get them on zoom and they can join in that way so (laughs) so many opportunities aren't there to um the world's got so much smaller so that's great but yes i would definitely get the farmer in to read and if i couldn't find a farmer or a person who owned allotment and for those people who don't know me you know how and those people that do you know how much i love stealing people from um, various positions in the school and getting them to become farmer rob and come in dressed like a farmer um, mm-hmm. I'm still going. I'm going for my head teacher. She's next. Warning. <laughs> You'll have to do this uh, towards the end of the story, though, wouldn't you? Because otherwise, you know, the only question they're going to be asking in any hot seating arrangement is, "What is advice number two? Yes. What is advice number two? And if they don't ask that question, they're not listening properly. <laughs> Probably go a little bit more wacky and say, you know, what, what is Grandma's best cake that she makes and. and... <laughs> I get surprised by some of the weird and wacky questions that can come from children. Excellent. The other thing that this uh, this story springs to mind is obviously that Boggart had to keep his word. So he'd agreed that he would have half of the food that was growing either on top or below the ground. But he got angry every time that he thought um, he had to step in, didn't he? Just before when the crops Mm. were grown, the Boggart stepped in to remind Farmer Rob of his um, their deal. Um, And then when he got what whichever half of the field he was having and whether it was above the ground or below the ground he then often got angry but he still had to keep his word he couldn't then go and eat the food Mm. that was on top or below the ground and I was just thinking actually for children that's a really good message that even if you're angry or things have gone wrong if you've made a deal or you've um given your word you need to keep it so you can kind of go along that route of let your yes be yes so even Mm. for for our children all through school I mean if they've invited someone to their party when they're in you know early years in key stage one and they don't like them or for that moment of that day they're like oh you're not invited (laughs) to my party anymore and but even teaching those children actually if you've said yes to something even if something better comes along that's your commitment that you've Mm. made 
I've worked quite a lot with them, even young people and teenagers and then like the top end of, of the school who'll say yes to, you know, going to one friend's house and their best friend will then ask them for the same day and they'll say yes to that person. So I think you've got that keeping your word even when it's difficult theme yeah. as well that I think would be really applicable to our children across the school from the very youngest to our year sixes as well. I bet that would draw out a little bit of sympathy for this bucket. I think people would suddenly think, oh, well, you know, he, he must have a good side if he sticks to his word. That's true. And I, th- I think really there's also perhaps an anger management side that comes to this or that comes out of this story because, yes, he does keep his word. But as you say, Bex, he gets frustrated because of his desire to do so or his need to do so, probably a mystical need to do so. And that's his comeuppance at the end of the day. So, yeah, there's something in there, not just about keeping your word, but also keeping your cool, Hmm. I suppose. Don't burst into flames. (laughs) Yeah, very literal sense. Keep your cool. (laughs) And there's um, there's a character in Disney's Hercules, Hades, whose um, hair is a flame. I don't know if you haven't seen it. His hair and it's. I was a, actually watching that this oh, morning. Oh, it's, it's one of my favourites. That and the Emperor's New Groove, favourite Disney films. Random, but yeah, love them. But his hair is like cool colours, isn't it? When he's keeping his cool, and then like when Pain and Panic do something wrong, his hair bursts into like the the mm-hmm. really vibrant fire coloured um, flame. So you can even talk about like keeping your cool. Show them that um, just as a visual example as well. But I think it is really, really important that anger management and obviously it links to inside out as well then yeah exactly. that's what Anger you made me think out. of yeah. as soon as you said about the fire and the color i was just <laughs> thinking yeah yeah the bogget dressed as a little red angry stout thing yeah walking blowtorch yeah and and um, I'd, I'd say as an example to use in schools, Inside Out is probably best because having watched Hercules this morning and seeing how poor Hades, he is not the bad guy in the story of Hercules. I'm sorry, they, they've twisted that story around so much. Brilliant, brilliant art, brilliant songs, brilliant jokes, but uh, I'm, I'm so gutted for poor Hades. He's not a bad guy. He's just trying to run the underworld. <laughs> exactly he's just trying to run the underworld and look after his wife persephone and and all of that so yeah as, as you were saying abby you could end up getting some uh quite a lot of sympathy for the bogger once you once you know the the truth that's going on here which is that actually he's a he's a very honorable creature yeah and there's there's quite a lot of stories out there where you you turn the traditional tale on its head and mm. you, you have the big bad wolf uh, turn into the, the three the three bad pigs and the kind wolf and the, there's lots of those kind of things out there. I wonder whether it would lead to the children saying, actually, uh, it's big bad farmer Rob and, you know, the, the kind young Boggart and, and how, how could you rewrite the story to have a totally new interpretation of what was really going on? Mm. Well, before we move on to writing then, which obviously we're going to be doing tomorrow, I will just um, ask you, because that's a fantastic idea, but would that potentially undermine your Be More Farmer Rob? Wow. I guess you couldn't do Be More Farmer Rob and then do The Kind Bogger. I think you'd have to probably decide which way you were going, where you Mm. were taking the story. But you could have a little bit of a discussion with them of, is there any way that the bogger is good? You could ask them that question hmm. as part of your discussion. Does he have any redeeming features? Could could Farmer Rob have actually rescued the bogger as well if he'd had hmm. the opportunity? Hmm. 
I'm sure he probably would have wanted to. They make fantastic pets. Yeah, if there was advice three. Yeah, if <laughs> advice number three. That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy effective and lifelong learning. Tomorrow, Farmer Rob and the Boggart will help us teach English. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And, and we, we hope, hope to hear, hear your story, story soon. soon.